So I'm going to read from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Headed, the Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Let's look a bit more at that last verse. The word became flesh and, as John read, lived for a while among us, or as a lot of other phrases have, made his dwelling among us. Now, who here has been camping? Quite a lot of you. That's good. The word became flesh means Jesus being born. And that phrase, translated as lived for a while among us or made his dwelling among us, actually came from put up his tent next to ours. The amazing news is that God joins us in all the messiness and insecurity of life. When you're in a tent, you can feel less safe, can't you? We certainly did in Cornwall this summer as Hurricane Bill raged all around us one night. We didn't sleep at all. People in dome tents woke up in donut tents if they weren't blown away. And rain sounds so much louder from inside a tent, doesn't it? And it's messy in there. For some people, it just gets a bit too cluttered at times. But people to pull together in adversity, putting tents back up, sharing tent pegs, torches, fixing guy ropes, and the happier side of camping, because there is a happier side, is that wonderful morning, the campsite waking to a beautiful sunrise, a full English breakfast, and I mean a full English breakfast, on the gas rings out the front. 
Now, I know that for some people, camping just means a holiday in without a swimming pool. But whoever we are, God comes into our world and shares with us in our vulnerability, in our sorrows and our joys, as, as we've just been singing. He gets up close and personal. He knows all our names. He's with us in everything we do. And that's why it's great to have Ian and Ruth bringing Timothy here this morning. Because a dedication seems really appropriate at Christmas, doesn't it? The word dedication is like giving. Giving thanks to God for the precious gift of Timothy's life entrusted to Ian and Ruth. The dedication, and I'm thinking Roy Castle here, those of you who can remember back to the record breakers, dedication is important as well. It's also theirs as parents as they dedicate themselves to the task of nurturing and supporting this child as he grows up. Their promise to do that, their dedication, their commitment to the task, fueled by love. And at Christmas, we remember how God came to us as a baby in need of such support. Just imagine the care that Mary and Joseph would have given him. Not just feeding him and cuddling him, but changing his nappy or whatever they wore in those days. How they would have helped him as he grew, clothing him, supporting him, caring for him. So this morning we can see how easily birth fits into the idea of community, of families and of extended families and friends. So it's great to have Ian and Ruth's family and friends sharing with them and us on this occasion and to see how Timothy is not just an individual but a person in a whole network of relationships, a son, a brother, a grandson, a nephew, a cousin. The miracle of birth is not something we keep as individuals. It immediately implies relationships, being included and being inclusive, welcoming people in to share the celebration. I can remember a Christmas where my two brothers and sister and our families all got together at mum and dad's home. I can remember mum getting dad to take a photo. He took loads. But actually he took none. No film in the camera. He realised after we'd gone. That happens less often with today's digital cameras now, doesn't it? But I don't need the picture to remind me of the joy of being together and of feeling loved. And we all forgave Dad that it wasn't actually captured on camera. Eventually, even Mum did. Jesus' birth all those years ago was a very inclusive birth. The camera shot, if they had actually all got together, would have included a young mum, a baffled but excited new father, Shepherds, who, let's face it, were practically outcasts from society, but among the first to witness and spread the news. Rich, wise men bowing before the baby Jesus, 
angels singing at the tops of their voices. Perhaps some animals getting quite hungry and having a look across to the manger where they were hoping to have a nibble. Straw around the edges. Mary would have been sitting there and thinking of the song that she came up with when she was to hear that she was to have Jesus. The song of the humble being lifted up and the proud being brought low. The diversity of the whole group and the table-turning, inclusive nature of the birth of her special son. So the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And the second part of that verse. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We can give glory to this newborn king as we remember and celebrate his coming to earth together. And know that his kingdom is not about power, but about love. Not about independence and strength as a nation, but about dependency and vulnerability. Not about exclusive royalty, but about inclusive humility. God's gift to us is himself. When Jesus came to earth, men saw in him the glory of God and at the heart of that glory, that wonder, that splendor is God's love. Glory to the newborn king because quite simply the glory of the Lord is the presence of God. God with us. God saying to us, this is me on earth. Look to Jesus if you want to know what I am like. The glory of the Lord is the presence of God and he is here with us. Now we live in a very scientific age. We may not be scientists ourselves, but our way of thinking and our probably mistaken belief in logic and in science means that we're most comfortable with rational explanations of everything and plausible, credible ideas. One thought which gained increasing attention this year is Darwin's phrase, survival of the fittest. Have you heard this phrase? People use it a lot on nature programmes, don't they? And they even use it on The Apprentice or in sport. Not just nature, but business as well seems to seize on this idea, survival of the fittest. But is survival of the fittest really the phrase that sums up life on earth? Is that it? Because seen in the light of Christmas, I think it's a little incomplete as an idea. In the riskiness of coming to earth as a baby and sharing with us in our everyday experiences, promising to be with us, God with us, God gives us another message. It's not survival of the fittest, but love for the dependent. Perhaps a better way to describe the meaning and purpose of life is love for the dependent. Love for a child, or our love for each other as friends and family members of all ages. Our love for anyone who is in need. Jesus wasn't too proud to belong. He wasn't too proud to be dependent on others. 
And God's love for us calls us to recognise our dependency on him. Jesus came and showed his love for all of us because whether we know it or not, we are dependent on him. His life is a light in our darkness. His life is full of grace and truth. And the brilliant thing is that if you allow Jesus to be born in you, as we sang in the carol earlier, if there's room in your inn, as the children sang to us, if you receive him and believe in him, then he gives you the right to be called a child of God. Like Timothy here, looking to Ian and Ruth as parents, each one of us can become a child of God. A God who loves us so much that he knows exactly what it's like to be a father and exactly what it's like to be a child. So it's our choice to live life practicing survival of the fittest or practicing love for the dependent.